saved but without God. And I thought about that my mother did that. My mother got saved as a young girl uh, in the hills of West Virginia. Uh, She was raised uh, as a a Methodist and she got, of course, out of church and married my dad who at that time was full of the devil. And uh, she married a lost man and lived a life as a saved person married to a lost man raising children without God. And exactly what the man of God said is the price that you pay is your children. Because my mother got right with God and I thank God for that. And I know that I'll see her again one of these days. But my brother John died in 1984 and died and went to hell without God. And she could have been an influence on my brother. I will never see him again had she stayed in the house of the Lord all those years And got right with God. I remember them coming to the house. And she'd say, no, not today. I don't think I'll go back today. Well, just a week and a half ago, I buried my sister. My sister got saved about probably 15 years ago. I preached on hell one night. And she come down the aisle. And she said, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. And she got born again. And she lived for God for a while. She got out of church. She got back in. About the last couple of years, she's not been a whole lot for the Lord. And I preached her funeral on Wednesday, and I'm glad I was able to say that she's in heaven. But there sat all three of her daughters lost without God. All of her children, her grandchildren, all going to hell. So you better heed the warning this morning. There was a warning that came from the man of God. Oh, you hear me. And then our pastor, a man of God, I've known Brother Gravely for at least 12 to 13 years and he would not have said that unless the Holy Ghost told him to. If you need to get right with somebody, you better do that. Amen and amen. I don't know what's going on with this generation, but we are traveling and preaching in our churches. People refuse to get right with God and I don't understand that. I love him enough when the Holy Ghost speaks to me. I want to honor him and get right. Uh, When he tells me I got a rotten attitude, I try to get it right. Uh, When he tells me I have a lack of patience, I try to get it right. If he tells me to quit thinking about that, I try to get it right. But we live in a generation where we're coming to the house of God and we're just sitting there and we're not doing anything about it and a man of God is laboring and he's spending time with the Holy Ghost and the Holy God of heaven gives him a word from heaven and God comes and preaches to you and we sit down and we do nothing about it. We're in a generation where people don't care. God help us this week to care about what's going on. Amen. I don't know if I'm supposed to preach this morning or not, amen. You know what's amazing? You can preach on prayer in an independent, fire-breathing, fundamental Baptist church and give an altar call, not one person come. And you know that there's people on the pew that are not praying like they should. There's people not getting in touch with God every morning and every night. But we just don't care. We're in that here. Hey, the man of God will preach on your family and raising a good home. And you know yours is carnal and you got garbage in your house, but you don't care. I remember remember the day when the man of God preached on how you ought to live and how you ought to dress and you didn't get mad 
you got right about it, amen. Uh, you went down the old-fashioned order and you got on your knees uh, and you said, Lord, help me to do what that man of God said. Help me to be what I'm supposed to be. But we're so full of ourselves and carnality that we don't care, amen. Amen. I'm about fed up of preaching to Baptists that don't give a rip. It's about time that you care about what the man of God is saying and do something about it. Amen. Amen. I say it's time just to get right with God and take what God says and do something about it. Amen. Amen. We just spurn his word. We leave the same way we came. Never letting the word of God speak to our heart. Oh, I like when he speaks to me. I like to hear his voice. Brother Lad, if it's even a rebuke. I like it if he even says, boy, you stop that. You get that attitude right. I say, yes, sir, Lord. I like to hear his voice. Oh, listen. Over in the Old Testament, he talked about when the Savior became a stranger. I don't want him to become a stranger to me. Uh, I want to hear that word. You know what? We're so far away uh, that it don't bother us anymore. You know what I can remember? I remember back in them late 70s, uh, if you gave away a Bible uh, to those who'd bring the most, uh, it'd be 70 and 80 people. Now if you get five people, uh, you give them a Bible. Hey, you know why? Because we don't care anymore. Oh, listen to me. I'm telling you, if the man of God, the Holy Ghost, I spoke to you this morning. Why will you let your stinking pride keep you from getting right? Why will you let your children go to hell? Oh, listen to me. I love my sister and I love my mother, but if they had to do it all over again, they would have died with glory in their soul. They would have died being at the house of God and worshiping Jesus because it's going to cost them something. How come we ignore the preaching? I hear preachers and I preach myself and I know you men of God do. You preach to people and they stand and look at you. Or they run out the door. They run to the nursery. They, they still do that in some places, preacher. Well, they have 14 ladies with two children in the nursery. Man, them kids must be something. Amen. You know why they do that? They, yeah, they're God's, but they want to get away from the preaching. You know what, Russ God? We ought to ask the Lord, help us to get everything out of this meeting that we're supposed to get. If he needs to rebuke me, then Lord, rebuke me. If you need to bless me, then Lord, bless me. Give me everything that I need that I would be willing to take it and apply it to my life. We need to quit shoveling it to our neighbor and just get right with God. Amen. Amen. I'm not going to preach to you this morning, but I'll tell you what. I was going to preach on old Pilate. He said to the crowd, what will you that I do with Jesus, 
And I was going to preach on, what are you going to do with Jesus? Not just to the sinner, but to the saint. To the saint. Pilate had some positive influences in his life. He had the character of Jesus in his life. He said three times, I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. One time he said, I find no fault in him at all. Another time he called him a just man. He's had positive influence of Christ. He had the character. He was the governor of the land, no doubt. He knew who Jesus was. No doubt he'd been followed. And you know what I say to the child of God? We have the character of Jesus. He's been good to us this morning. He's been better to us than what we deserve this morning. Amen. If we had what we had coming, we'd be in hell. But thank God I'll never go to hell uh, this morning. I'll never know what it's like. Uh, as the preacher said this morning in Sunday school, we've gotten over the joy of being saved. I tell you, it's a joy uh, to be saved this morning. It's wonderful. It's wonderful uh, to know that my name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. He had the claims of Jesus as a positive influence. His companion, she said, have nothing to do with that just man. She said, you better leave him alone. She said, I suffered many things in a dream because of him. You know what I believe? I believe she couldn't sleep good because the Holy Ghost done got a hold of her. And he began to reveal who Jesus was. Three things that Pilate let persuade him of what he did with Jesus. Number one, he let the people persuade him. The Bible said he let the multitude. He let their opinion of Christ. Sometimes on the job, you keep your mouth shut because you're afraid of what others think of who that you associate yourself with. He let their opposition, they opposed him, they hated him. He let, number two, not only the people, but he also let the politics persuade him. The Bible said that he let the crowd dictate to him who, they said, you release Barabbas. He allowed the crowd to dictate to him. You know what I thought about, preacher? I thought about sometimes people let their problems dictate to them what they're going to do with Jesus. Sometimes people let a hobby dictate to them what they're going to do with Jesus. Sometimes people let a job dictate to them what they're going to do with Jesus. I remember years ago, back in the 80s, I remember a story about a man who was the song leader and what he would do when he'd get done at the 11 o'clock hour. He never even stayed for the preaching. He ran down uh, to the river and got on his boat uh, and he wouldn't even stay for preaching and uh, one day a storm came up and he lost his life while he ought to have been in the house of God he let his hobby dictate to him uh, uh, what he did with Jesus amen and amen I think sometimes uh, that we let politics uh, dictate to us what we're going to do with Jesus I thought about how that uh, I thought about how that lot let finances dictate to him uh, what he's going to do with Jesus he 
looked uh, to the well-watered plains of Jordan. Back then I thought about a man named Abraham. He let faith dictate to him uh, what he's going to do with Jesus. I thought about a man named Cain. Uh, he let works dictate to him uh, what he's going to do with Jesus. But I thought about a man named Abel and he let worship dictate to him uh, what he's going to do with Jesus. I thought about a man named Samson. He let women dictate to him what he's going to do with Jesus. He let lust destroy his body. You hear me? They put out his eyes. You young people, listen to me. Lust will destroy you. It'll destroy your family. It'll destroy your life. He let women dictate to him. But thank God there's a man named Enoch. He let her walk with God. Dictate to him what he's going to do with Jesus. I'm glad in 2017 you still walk with God if you want to. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, he let wine dictate to him what he's going with Jesus. But thank God Daniel said, I'll let water dictate to me what I'm going to do with Jesus. Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, he let an image dictate to him. But thank God Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, thank God they let instruction from the Word of God dictate to them what they're going to do with Jesus. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. What are you going to do with Jesus? Amen. Amen. Not only dictate, but to disassociate himself from Jesus. You know, Brother Jack, I thought about why, why did Pilate whip him? He already said he found no fault in him. Why did he scourge him? It's because they said to him, if you're a friend of this man, then you're not a friend to Caesar's. He was worried about his peers and what people thought about and he wanted to be accepted by others. I've got news for you. If you'll go to work and you'll stand up for Jesus, you're not going to be accepted very well. We live in a world that despises him. They just like in Pilate's day, they wanted to crucify him. They wanted to kill him. But you know what? Uh, hey, listen, friend, it doesn't matter. We ought to stand up and be identified and not be ashamed. Amen and amen. amen. Lastly, pride persuaded Pilate what he did with Jesus. Preacher, I believe there's a battle inside Pilate's mind and his heart. He said, I find no fault in this man. But then he scourged him. He said, I find no fault in this man. The Bible said that it was the governor's soldiers who beat him. The Bible said they stripped him. They spat upon him. They took a reed, a stick, and they smote him in the head. No doubt blood was coming out of his ears where they beat him with a stick in the head. It was Pilate's soldiers, you see. Pilate was having an inward battle. I find no fault. The matter of fact, the Bible said when Jesus told him that he was the son of God, he said he sought to release him. Then Jesus said, those who delivered me to you have the greater sin. Then he said from then after that, he really tried to release him because he was fearful. He knew there was something different about this man. But pride, Brother Brian, creeped up in his heart. He said, he said, I find no fault in him. But then he made this statement. Behold the man. The man. Not the Christ. The man. 
You know why? Because he was putting Jesus beneath him. You remember what he told Jesus? He said, I have the power to release thee and I have power to crucify thee. And Jesus, he, I, I hope he did it with a grin, but he said, oh, Pilate, you don't have no power over me. It's been given to you from above. There was an inward struggle. And you know what did? Pride sent Pilate to hell. And for 2,000 years, he's no doubt wringing his hands. Of course, in that day, they did that. They washed him in water to prove that they believed that that man was innocent. Well, it don't matter what he, he, he died and went to hell without God because of pride, Brother Steve. Do you know why you won't get right with God this morning? Because you're just too proud to admit that you're wrong. You're just too proud to say that is right and that is me and I am wrong. My preacher that I used to be a member of a church in Mississippi is a country preacher. Never had formal education. He done Bible college through correspondence. And he would sometimes read words and he'd misquote them by their spelling, by their saying. And sometimes a few of us, Brother Ronnie, would get tickled because of the way he pronounced those words. <clears throat> One Sunday morning he got up and he preached and he preached on that. And it bothered him and I didn't know it, Brother Eric. I didn't know it that it bothered him so. He was probably intimidated, feel like he didn't have a great education anyway. You know what God did? He smoked my heart. I didn't sit back there and say, well, he ought to get over that. You know what I did? I ran to the altar and I said, God, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to offend the man of God. Then I got up and I grabbed him and I said, I'm sorry. You'll never hear me do that again. You'll never hear me do that again. Because it offended and hurt the man of God. Why can't we do that anymore? How come God can't say you've not been praying and you run to the altar and say, God, help me. Oh, Lord. God say you got a rotten attitude. Lord, help me to get. Why do we struggle to keep it so much? The sin of pride is killing our Baptist churches. I don't know about Brother Chris and Brother Grant and these other men and, of course, the pastor and Brother Brown preaching meetings, Brother Steve. I don't know about you, but the churches I'm going in, they're going backwards instead of forwards. I mean, they're getting down to 25 and 30 when they used to run 60 and 70. You know part of the problem is because people don't want to get right with God. They just get mad and leave. What happened to the day when just getting right? Just say, it's me. It's not my brother nor my sister. But it's me, oh Lord. I've had to stand up and get right with people. I've had to get right with the preacher. I've had to get right with people that I've said that. I have, you know what? We just need to get right this morning. God gave us a warning this morning. I've been in this thing for 45 years. This October, I've been saved. And any time the Holy Ghost thanks enough of us to come and sit down and give us some warning, he's trying to help somebody. He's trying to help you this morning. Don't let pride get in your way. Let's stand, if you would, please. 
Oh, let's let the Lord help us this morning. Lord, would you help us this morning? Don't let people, don't let politics, don't let pride persuade you what you're going to do with 